Friends, welcome to Word on Fire Catholic Ministries. Word on Fire is an apostolate dedicated to the mission of evangelization, using media both old and new to share the faith on every continent and to facilitate an encounter with Christ and His Church. The efforts of Word on Fire engage the culture and bring the transformative power of God's Word where it is most needed. Today, we invite you to join Bishop Robert Barron as he preaches the gospel and shares the warmth and light of Christ with each one of us. Peace be with you. Friends, two of my favorite books in the Old Testament, two very interesting texts but often overlooked, are the books of Ezra and Nehemiah. They come at the very end of the sort of stretch of historical books, going from 1st and 2nd Samuel, 1st and 2nd Kings, 1st and 2nd Chronicles, and then we come to the books of Ezra and Nehemiah. And they recount a very interesting moment in Israelite history, and hence in the history of salvation. After the great Babylonian exile, the people are, are carried away, the city of Jerusalem has been destroyed. After that is over, some of the people begin trickling back to their homeland. They come back to Jerusalem, and Ezra and Nehemiah tell the story of that moment. One of the most moving scenes I find is in the book of Nehemiah when this more political figure, Nehemiah, comes back and he sees the ruins of Jerusalem. Imagine if Paris had been destroyed in a great war and a Parisian wandered back and saw the wreckage of this once magnificent city. Suppose Rome, an atomic bomb had fallen on Rome and, and a Roman, or really any Catholic, wandered back into the eternal city and saw its ruins. Imagine in the American context, a Chicagoan who loves the city of Chicago and he comes back after a devastating war to see the city he loves in ruins. That's what Nehemiah is describing. Move into that space. He laments, he laments this terrible tragedy and he weeps as he looks out over the city. So he resolves now to do something. He resolves to rebuild the city and, mind you, especially its walls. Now go back to ancient times. This was truly really up until pretty recent years, but especially ancient times. A city depended for its integrity upon its walls, walls that kept people out, that kept alien influences out, that enabled the city to develop according to its own integrity. The walls are breached. Well, then you're, you're vulnerable to any attack. You're, you're vulnerable to any marauding tribe that comes by. You're economically, politically compromised. And so, Nehemiah said, we have to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Now, this is not just of political interest. Nehemiah is a Jew who knows in his soul that Israel, whose capital is Jerusalem, whose temple was in Jerusalem, is meant to be the magnet of all the nations, meant to be the means by which God draws all nations to himself. Therefore, if Jerusalem is compromised, the whole mission and identity and purpose of Israel is compromised. And so he sets out on this great political slash religious project of rebuilding the walls. Okay, Nehemiah is a bit more of a political figure. 
Ezra, now who's coupled with him, and these two books are coupled together. Ezra is a priest, so he's concerned first and foremost with the religious well-being of the people. And our, our passage for this week, taken from the book of Nehemiah, tells the story of Ezra the priest reading the law to the people. Now the law, the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, the texts that define the people Israel. As the walls, the physical walls, defined the city, so the Torah was a kind of spiritual wall that defined, circumscribed the people. Listen now to this. This Really, it's, it's to me very gorgeous, but, but it's also poignant passage. Standing at one end of the open place, he, this is Ezra, read out of the book from daybreak until midday in the presence of the men, the women, and those children old enough to understand. And all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. By the way, you think you listen to long sermons. <laughs> He's speaking from daybreak until midday. Six hours. What's he doing? He's reading the Torah. And who's listening? Men, the women, and yes, the children, all listening. Because they know, they know they're discovering again who they are. Think of those long years of the exile, like 70, 80 years. The people alienated from their own homeland, but more importantly, from their own traditions. They had forgotten who they are. So there they take it in. And then how beautiful when the people, when he finishes, they raise their hands, they answer, Amen, Amen. And then we hear they wept. Of course they did. They were discovering again who they are. See, everybody, we need walls to define us as a people. We need the law, the great stories of the Bible, to tell us who we are. Now, here's a concern I have, which I think makes this reading extremely relevant to our own time. And mind you, I'm not blaming Vatican II for this. Vatican II, the great text of the Council, we're all about Catholic identity and who we are as a people and understanding the, the law and our mission and purpose. So Vatican II is great. But I remember very well the church uh, after the council, when I was coming of age, go back to the church of the 70s and 80s, let's say, was there at that time such a stress upon the church's dialogue with the culture outside of it? that we allowed the walls to be torn down. We were so interested in being relevant to the times that we lost a sense of, of who we are. Forgetting our own stories, forgetting our own ritual identity. You know, I found this when I was teaching many years ago. I, was, I spent a sabbatical at a major Catholic university. And I found that as I was making reference to the scripture in ways that I thought were just, you know, kind of ordinary and commonsensical, the kids didn't know the stories. It's funny, go back to the speeches of great figures in the 19th century, Lincoln and many others. They were assuming the people knew their Bible very well. 
They, they knew who they were. Have we been passing through a time in the church when we've allowed the walls to be breached? The stories and the law that identify us as a people are no longer being told in the same persuasive way. What that leads to, everybody, is a loss of purpose, a loss of identity, a loss of mission. You know, I go back here to uh, a story I read about the greatest Protestant theologian of the 20th century, a man named Karl Barth, fascinating figure. Karl Barth was a very old man when he was invited by Paul VI to be uh, a kind of assistant at Vatican II, listening into the sessions. So this great theological mind was taking in the debates of the council. And he picked up that word that was in the air at the time, which was aggiornamento. It means updating, bringing things up to date. And, you know, there's something valuable about that. The church, to some degree, has to adjust to modern forms in order to be evangelically persuasive. That's true. But Karl Barth saw uh, Paul VI at the end of the council, and he thanked him profusely for the invitation to be part of it. But then he asked a kind of teasing question. He said, Holy Father, when will you know the church has been sufficiently updated? <laughs> it was a question, uh, as they say, with a sting in its tail. He was questioning, in a way, an over-reliance upon this aggiornamento idea. Bringing the church up to date, bringing the church in line with the modern world. That was never the ultimate purpose of Vatican II. Vatican II's purpose was not to modernize the church. It was to Christify the world, to take the treasures within the life of the church. All those, those rituals and practices and stories that define who we are, and then to bring that out into the world in a missionary spirit, absolutely. Was the danger, as John XXIII famously said, we need to open the windows of the church? Yeah, sure, great. He didn't say tear down the walls of the church. Okay, having made this point, I think, with sufficient clarity, let me, as I close now, add the balancing perspective. So, like Ezra and Nehemiah, we should be concerned with the church's identity mission, purpose, law, story, all that defines us. But, as I suggested, our purpose is not to hunker down behind those walls in a defensive posture. No, no, as ancient Israel was meant to be the magnet for the world. Mount Zion, true pole of the earth, all the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord. And that means the tribes of Israel, but ultimately all the tribes of the world. Israel had to know who it was precisely for the sake of the world. Does that make sense? They had to hold off the world for the sake of the world. <laughs> That's where the walls that define Israel, good, now that Israel knows who it is, it can announce the Lord to all the nations. The church is the new Israel. Same mission. Knowing who we are, yes, defined by, by law and by story and, and by ritual and by liturgy and by sacrament. Knowing who we are, not just blending into the environing culture. Then we lose our whole point and purpose. But knowing who we are, 
Now we go out. To bring the treasure of our identity out to all the nations. Now go right back to Vatican II, everybody. It's, it's arguably principal document on the church called Lumen Gentium, the light of the nations. That's the church. To bring the light of Christ out to the world. Yes, knowing who that light is, knowing who we are, what our identity is, but now we're able to bring the light to the nations. That's why I've, I know I've cited this before to you, but uh, Hans Urs von Balthasar was one of the great Catholic theologians of the last century. Wrote a book in the 50s called Tearing Down the Bastions. Now, it's interesting with our theme of walls. Did Balthasar believe in walls? You bet. I mean, Balthasar knew the Catholic intellectual and artistic and moral liturgical tradition. He believed in it. He knew the church had to be defined over and against the culture. But, but, he also knew its ultimate purpose was to break out beyond those walls so as to transform the world. You know, I'm, I'm dating myself here, but people over 50 maybe will recognize this. John Lennon of the Beatles in one of his solo albums was called Walls and Bridges. I've always liked that. You know why? Because you need both. <laughs> you need both. If you're all walls, well, then you're hunkering down defensively, losing your missionary purpose. If you're all bridges, then you've lost your identity. No, no, Ezra and Nehemiah rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. But walls and bridges, because our ultimate purpose is not hunkering down, it's transforming the world. And God bless you. Thank you for listening to this week's homily from Bishop Robert Barron. For more resources from Bishop Barron, please visit wordonfire.org.